Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, joined today by David Barnhart, who is the EVP of product at GAIACT. We're going to talk about what's happening in P2P payments and real-time payments in the US, what the implications are there around fraud, and really, you know, what's the solution? How do we get to reduce the fraud when payments are increasingly becoming real-time? So, David, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. First question then. So can you give me an idea of how P2P and real-time payments are growing in the U.S.? Sure. Year over year, Nick, last year, P2P payments increased 24% or roughly 29.4 million transactions in the U.S. I mean, that that's clearly a significant growth rate. What's behind that? Consumer demand or is it just a flood of products in the market space or are we talking just payments evolution? I mean, what's what's precipitating this? I believe it's a little bit of all. If you think about consumers find it easier to transfer funds in lieu of writing a check, it's immediate. There are social aspects in some uh, some of the providers. So, you know, we're making payments more accessible in the U.S., getting people funds quicker. uh, And I think it's really just an evolution of how consumers uh, want to move their money. No, absolutely. I mean, I guess we're very used to a real-time lifestyle in terms of, you know, on-demand movies and within-the-hour deliveries of goods and services and so on. So it would stand to reason that something as digital as money could be, you know, sent real-time theoretically. What are the repercussions here? I mean, if you're going to real-time payments, that almost certainly means real-time fraud, doesn't it? It certainly does. So, I mean, in that context, you know, what's happening with the fraud landscape? Is it in line with P2P growth or, I mean, obviously fraud will be growing alongside it, or is it outpacing the uh, the growth in P2P and real-time payments? One could look at the growth and say, with growth, you're going to have obviously increased risks. But if you think about the litany of data breaches, additions of new malware and new malware attacks, you know, when you take the, the already stolen PII that is readily available to the would-be fraudsters, you know, matching that up with information they may have gleaned from a malware attack. And, you know, quite honestly, with that many transactions, it's easy for the frauds to hide in the herd. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I imagine that um, there obviously have been some pretty significant data breaches in the last few years, but even the, the insignificant ones are sort of happening. There's a, there's a sort of death by a thousand cuts on a daily basis, really, in terms of the, the numbers out there. So, I mean, you've got a situation here where we've got real-time payments, but also this flood of synthetic identity fraud. So, I mean, what's what's the solution to that? Well, there's one problem that really plagues the industry. The P2P fraud problem does have an identity solution that can help it to reduce when fraudsters have all the information. And that's really getting back to managing the entire customer lifecycle. And, and how, again, how would you go about that? If you're, you're managing an entire lifecycle, but again, if the identity is maybe fraudulent in the first place and they're cultivating what right. appears to be a legitimate customer, um, how do you deal with that? Because that seems to be the crux of the problem here. It's, it's again, the synthetic identities, and I've heard various people talk about this, are actually looking more real than real people in a lot of cases. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the there's there's really two issues that seem to plague this is lack of data. Companies that are not using enough data or relying on too much unique and specific data, such as email or phone, and they're not really applying the data and then connecting the dot. Uh, When I speak about lifecycle management, you know, in some cases there is inferior lifecycle management where companies are either too focused on protecting the payment or protecting the enrollment and they're not looking at it from an entire lifecycle perspective. So for example, you know, using an identity validation, using the, what we would call the header data or, you know, the basic information of a consumer, and then really getting into a lot of non-traditional data and taking the non-traditional data, you know, the, the more fine tuning points of an identity 
And then once you've completed the, in, the identity portion, looking at the payment instrument, right? If it's gonna be a demand deposit account or a debit card, taking that information, matching that back to the consumer. And obviously there's a, a compliance component that falls into that. So when you're looking at this, it's an end-to-end -end ver validation and verification of a consumer. And then most importantly, not forgetting the re-identification aspects of it where uh, a payment instrument may change, an email may be added, a change in anything around the user's entitlement. So connect the dots and manage the life cycle from enrollments to payments to re-identification and compliance. You have a much stronger verification process. And with that, you can provide a more seamless passive verification, depending on the information that's collected up front, versus having a very heavily tokenized process uh, where you're trying to validate one or two pieces of information in an identity or a payment. Now you're looking at 15 to 20 plus. So one, one of the things you've outlined are four smart ways to stop identity-based payment fraud. So obviously that, again, is the, the core of a lot of this. So, so what are those? So really, when you boil this down, it's using the traditional with the non-traditionals, using social media, phone, and a lot of the non-traditional sources to really validate a consumer's identity. Put an emphasis on validating consumers throughout the life cycle, applying real-time processing, and always up-to-date factual and real-time data. Clearly, removing bad actors at enrollment, right? If you have a question about an enrollment, do not let it get to the chance to have or send a payment. And then a lot of companies should really try to passively identify as much as possible or conceal their enrollment process. You know, this also helps to minimize friction. At the same time, it helps keep the fraudsters in the dark. They really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if you're applying uh, a robust amount of data, pulling in all aspects and only tokenizing when necessary, you obviously keep the fraud from understanding your predictability. And it's really twofold. You provide a better customer experience while keeping the fraud out, and then you keep the fraud guessing. In the banking and payments industry, you have obviously a lot of competition, particularly when it comes to sort of the high street retail banks. Back 10 years ago, it was who had the mobile banking app, who had the mobile payments app out. And now it seems like real-time payments are, again, something like razor blade companies adding one more blade now. So, I mean, is this just, do you think this is in some, to some extent just, uh, I guess, keeping up with the Joneses? Or do you think, given that we're this far down the road and consumer expectations are now for payments to be almost immediate, is this just table stakes now? So this is something the industry has to deal with. It's a little bit of table stakes, but at the same time, the evolution of the experience is going to ever evolve, right? There's going to be new ways to send, uh, new applications, different iterations on real-time payments. But the one thing, Nick, that stays consistent across all vectors, regardless of what kind of product is being offered, how fast it moves, how much you can move, what instruments you can use to move that money, the fraud is the thing that remains consistent. Fraud is consistent, whereas the product will ever change. And when you change that product, you introduce new vectors and, and different risks. The company should always keep the baseline of managing the customer lifecycle. As long as they're managing the customer lifecycle, regardless of how their product works, how fun their product is to use or how much they allow you to move, managing that life cycle will keep not only the consumer, but the payment company safe in the end. Okay, great. That's, that's some pretty sound advice there, David. Well, that's David Barnard, who's the EVP of product at Guyact. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.